Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Thursday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us as always. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. A lot to get to. It's media day for IU basketball this afternoon uh, at Assembly Hall. So you're going to see all sorts of notes and quotes and content roll out over the next few hours later this afternoon into the evening. And it's going to be fun because tomorrow we get to recap everything that was said. Uh, There's a lot of interest. There's going to be a lot of questions asked, a lot of opportunities to talk to players one-on-one and to hear from players and coaches in a group setting as well. So just a big day that signals the season and Hoosier hysteria are getting closer and that college basketball is just about to return, and that is very exciting. So we'll get all set for media day, some of the questions that are going to be asked and some of the the, the big things to learn maybe today we'll, we'll talk about here in our Thursday program uh, cu- coming up. Also, IU football getting ready for a big one, a big test, a big game, a tough game, I think, for this team based on what we've seen so far this season as they play at Cincinnati. We all know the hope for that Cincinnati game a year ago and how that turned out, what the final result was. We'll see how Indiana competes this time around uh, when they take on the Bearcats again on the road Saturday. So a lot to get to today as we are closer to the weekend. And uh, let's take a look at the show lineup for this Thursday program, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got some news and headlines of the day that we'll catch up on here in just a few minutes. Also, later in the show, Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall is always my Thursday guest. In segment two, we got IU basketball on tap. It's perfect timing for Alex because media day is later, and I know he's getting his uh, his questions ready for Coach Woodson and the players, so we'll talk with him about that. Uh, also, uh, later in the show, Matt Weaver of Pigs.com. He's the football writer for the Pigs.com website. He will join us as we preview the Cincinnati game and talk about what Indiana has to do, uh, maybe in some cases better, to be competitive and have a chance to win on the road because after the game Saturday, it is all Big Ten the rest of the way for this Indiana team. And it's not been pretty at all times, but they have uh, they've done what they needed to do. Uh, They got past, I think, a very, very mediocre Illinois team. Uh, They were able to bounce back in the second half on a rainy night against Idaho and somehow, someway, found a way to win that game on Saturday against Western Kentucky. So the biggest challenge of the year uh, so far coming up on Saturday and lots of big challenges ahead for this Indiana team. I know this is something we've said many times previously, but if IU football wants any 
I think outside chance at a bowl game, at least in my estimation, outside chance. Uh, they've got to win this game against Cincinnati uh, to put themselves in position uh, to be, uh, have a chance to maybe get to six wins this year. So an important game coming up for Indiana this weekend. We'll talk about that with Matt Weaver. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is always open during the show. That number is 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You can send me a text, your questions, your comments, whatever it is you want to talk about with IU basketball, football, local sports, high school football, send them in. And my question to you today is this. Uh, if you were going to media day, what question or questions would you ask uh, Coach Woodson or a specific player. I'm curious what you would ask, and maybe Alex will ask that for us today as he will be in Bloomington a little bit later uh, in the afternoon. Uh, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. Download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. Let's get into some headlines here on this Thursday program. First and foremost, Flory Badunga of Kokomo. I love that name. Uh, is getting a lot of interest from IU and from the coaches. Yesterday in Kokomo, the Indiana coaches were all there to see uh, top five 2024 prospect Flory Badunga at Kokomo High School. Woodson, assistant coaches Kenya Hunter, Yasir Rosemond, and Brian Walsh were all courtside for the Wednesday afternoon practice. Badunga, you've heard me talk about him a lot. He really is beginning to get more and more interest, it seems with each week that passes six foot nine center he's number four nationally in the 2024 class so he is currently a junior by 247 sports kind of an interesting story he was unranked coming out of his high school year his first year at Kokomo as a sophomore but now is a top five player basically consensus across the country by the different ranking service he had an unbelievable spring and also a great summer with his indiana elite 16 and under team they won the adidas championship this past summer down in south carolina Badunga, obviously a different name he's originally from the congo and uh, he is uh, in the kokomo international school they've got an ability there to get a lot of international students in their school he's made unofficial visits so far to purdue and butler uh, believe he was on campus in the fall of last year for a football game at Indiana. And I know that other schools that have been in to see him, Cincinnati, Auburn, Florida. And I think Jawan Howard was spotted in Kokomo. Somebody sent me a, a photo of Jawan uh, posing with an IU fan, I believe it was. Uh, so I think Jawan Howard of Michigan are also in on him as well, if I'm correct with that. Uh, but he's a guy that his recruitment is expanding. Uh, he definitely is an intriguing prospect. And Indiana kind of using this fall uh, yeah they've spread out they've hit different places they've not just been in Indiana they've been across the country different regions where Indiana uh, has been recruiting pretty strong recently but I like it that they've really shown some prioritization this fall and that's kind of what the fall is about we talked about that earlier uh, where sending not just the head coach that's a statement but all of the coaching staff there 
is a real statement, and they've done that now for multiple players in the state, J Jalen Harrelson of Fishers and uh, now Bedunga of Kokomo as well. So I'm really intrigued by Flory Bedunga, and in fact, his high school coach, John Peckinpah of Kokomo High School, is going to join us Friday on the program to talk about Bedunga as a player and a prospect and a little bit about his recruiting as well. Still very early for him, it seems, uh, but Coach Peckinpah will be with us Friday on the program to talk more about Flory Bedunga, so make note of that. Also, uh, a couple other recruiting notes in basketball. Another offer out in the 2025 class by Indiana, Malik Thomas. He is a guard from Lincoln Park Performing Arts Charter School, which is located in Midland, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's got a lot of schools early on him uh, and a handful of offers already. Uh, St. John's was his first scholarship offer. Pitt, Kansas State, uh, other offers as well that I've seen at this point. Uh, but probably Pitt could be tough to compete with, it seems like, with uh, with Coach Capel and the Panthers right there in his, near his hometown. But uh, Thomas, a, a guy to keep an eye on, he also is going to that USA basketball minicamp that Jalen Harrelson was invited to that we talked about on our uh, Wednesday program yesterday. So uh, definitely an interesting uh, prospect as you look ahead uh, to the 2025 class. It's turning out to be, I think, a really good class, not just in Indiana, but maybe across the country as well. Seem to be a lot of big-time players in 2025. Also, IU women's basketball, we now know the tip times and a lot of the television designations. Uh, I think there's reason to be excited about IU women's basketball. I think I have seen more preseason coverage of the IU women, and it's also their media day today as well. I like pairing it together. I think it helps the women's program get some more exposure. But they're going to get lots of opportunities this season uh, to be seen nationally. Eleven of their games will be uh, nationally televised, including six straight games nationally televised to close the regular season. So that's big stuff for the IU women. Under the direction of Coach Morin, that program has consistently made strides. I've said this, uh, I, I've enjoyed watching them in the NCAA tournament the last few years. Uh, they've kind of been a real treat in March to follow. But uh, I think it's time to follow them from the beginning of the season. They, uh, they're they going to be good this year. And uh, it's going to be fun uh, a fun winter in Bloomington. The men and the women both projected to have really good seasons. And it's kind of neat to see where both programs are at here in late September, heading into the month of October and Hoosier hysteria and ultimately the start of the season. So a lot of good news for IU women and a lot of opportunity on national television uh, coming up this year as well. High school football this weekend, we've covered some. Some of the big matchups for the weekend. Providence still undefeated. The storyline of the high school football season thus far. The Pioneers 4-0 taking on a good Louisville Holy Cross team on Friday night. A Holy Cross team that has won uh, four in a row. Now 4-1 is Holy Cross from Louisville. And uh, some other games to watch this weekend. Can Charlestown bounce back? Can uh, they pick up? where they left off previous to the Providence game. Uh, the Pirates now 4-1 and one on the season. They have a great chance to do so, and I think went out the rest of the season. Uh, they play at Scottsburg this week, so uh, it should be no problem for Charlestown to get back in their winning ways. Clarksville 
will play host to a solid Perry Central team. Floyd Central uh, hosts Columbus East, who seems to be a little better than they were last season after dominating the Hoosier Hills Conference for so many years. The Olympians, not maybe the same program they were. Jeffersonville still looking for their first win, a rivalry game for the Devils as they will host Silver Creek. I like that matchup for uh, this year and future seasons of high school football. New Albany also could desperately use a win. They are at Bloomington North this weekend. Of course, we're one week out from the big New Albany-Jeffersonville rivalry game as well. And uh, that is a look at our high school football slate this weekend. Justin Kalen uh, producing this show today. He has been the play-by-play voice this fall of Southern Indiana high school football. And I know a lot of you have said, hey, what happened to the games well, we are the home of St. X football here on 1450 and 96.1, a great traditional program from Louisville. John Spears, also a, a big Xer, uh, the voice of the St. X Tigers. Uh, and Justin has been doing the games on 94.7 and some of our other sister stations. So, Justin, I wanted to bring you on for just a moment here in the opening segment. Where are you at on Friday, and what station will the Southern Indiana coverage be on this week? I will be at Jeffersonville covering that Silver Creek game, second ever installment in the series, so really looking forward to that one. And you can find that on 94.7 WFIA. Yeah, 94.7, a great signal. They also stream as well, so you can check out Justin's call of that game. If memory serves correct, Justin, the Jeff Silver Creek game a year ago, I think you also had the call of that game, and it was a real thriller. It was, yeah. Jeff was up, I want to say it was 23-7 at half, and then Silver Creek stormed back, forced overtime in the late going of that one before Jeff ultimately won 29-23 in that one. But it was it was a classic. If we get anything close to that game this year, I'll be real happy. Can Jeff get their first win of the season against the Dragons? It's going to be tough. I mean, Silver Creek's having a little bit of a down year as well, but they've been playing well the last few three, three, four weeks, I'd say. Um, it, it should be a fun game. I, I don't know if I'm ready to say one way or the other, but I think Jeff has a good chance of getting their first win, yes. Justin, I've got to tell on you, and I, I made myself obvious last week with what I said. <laughs> I did not see the Providence win over Charlestown coming. And you and I talked some about it off air. And uh, I don't think either one of us, and most people that have seen a lot more of the Pirates and the Pioneers than what I have this season, I don't think many people saw it coming. Maybe the Providence people did. But uh, I was really surprised, not just – by the result on Friday night, but that Providence was able to build such a big lead and then hang on, uh, even though it got much closer as the game went on. Just really surprised by that result in that game. And uh, I think Providence, we've got to look at as a contender now in, in sectional, uh, in 1A sectional action. Yeah, I would say so. And Matt, yeah, you, you and I were both way wrong, but we weren't the only ones. And knowing those Providence people, they are a confident bunch. Um, but there were even some of them, I guarantee, that did not see that coming. So, yeah, hats off to Providence. Definitely a contender now. We are basically through midseason. Sectional pairings will be Wild. out before you know it. Any thoughts on Southern Indiana football overall so far this season? Surprises, disappointments, predictions for the postseason that uh, you want to share with us? 
Uh, I mean, not not too much. Just I, I'm I've been a little disappointed, if we're being honest, about the quality of play that I've seen, um, especially from a lot of the bigger teams that typically have good football programs. So that's been kind of a disappointment. But it's nice to see other teams step up and take the mantle. We never get Charlestown at the top of the pack. We never get our Providences at the top of the pack. So it's been nice seeing that. Absolutely. And I go back to when I was a kid growing up in New Albany at New Albany High School, Providence, uh, especially when I was younger, was the team in the area. Gene Sartini uh, had the Pioneers rolling for so many years. So it's kind of neat to see that program have some success. I mean, the, the Providence fan base is always good and they've had so many sports and success stories to cheer about in recent years. It's not like they haven't had any winners, but to see this Providence football brand back and strong this year, it's easy to see that at one time Providence was a traditionally strong program because you see some of that uh, feeling coming back out, which has been neat to see this year. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's been the play of their backup quarterback the past couple of weeks, which you don't really expect that going into a season that a backup will take the mantle and, and lead the team, but that's exactly what he's done. So hopefully they keep it up. Yeah. One other thing, Justin, before we go to break, I know that you could say this about IU football. I know that you could say it about previous seasons of Southern Indiana football as well, but Gosh, dog, there seems to be a lot of injuries with key players this season. Josh Cook of the News and Tribune kind of summed it all up. I think it was last week in a story he wrote about so many key players. And then you look outside of our immediate area. I know that there's other teams in the Hoosier Hills Conference specifically that have lost a quarterback or have lost key players. It's just amazing. Uh, the injuries, and it, it seems like every year we've lost some really big names here in our area to season-ending injuries, and this year's no different, maybe worse. Yeah, you, I mean, you never want to see that, but I always, on the flip side of that, I love seeing the resiliency of the younger kids that come up, and they always step into that role like they have been starters from day one. So for me, that's, that's the neat part. I, I hate seeing injuries, though, and we have had some big ones this year. Absolutely. That's Justin Kalen. He'll have the call of Jeff and Silver Creek on Friday night, 94.7 FM, streaming online, WFIA 94.7. You can search for it, find it. And, Justin, great to talk a little football with you today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, we'll be joined by Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall. Alex is headed to Bloomington for IU Basketball Media Day. We'll talk about his questions for Mike Woodson and the players and get you all set for uh, the content you're going to see roll out later today. Also still ahead, Matt Weaver, Pigs.com football writer on IU Cincinnati. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. I mean, I- Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Thursday program. The Thornton's text line is open. That number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you have an IU basketball topic or question for Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, who joins us right now. Alex, uh, you are headed to media day for 
the men's basketball team, which to me means Hoosier hysteria is just around the corner and the season not too far behind that. It's going to be a busy day in Bloomington, a lot of interest in this IU team this season. Yeah, madam. actually headed up I-65 right now, looking out at the blue skies and the crisp fall weather. It means we're, you know, another day closer to basketball season. As you mentioned, we've got media day today. Uh, it's going to be a little bit different format than I think that we've seen in the past. We're actually going to have the men's and the women's teams both represented in Assembly Hall, uh, press conferences, roundtable interviews, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, both programs have uh, sky-high expectations uh, for this season. Uh, I'm glad to see that they've uh, given the women's program uh, a chance here to also be highlighted. I think what Terry Morin has done now over a long, uh, sustained period of time is really impressive, and I think that their program is is obviously going to have a great season. Everyone... Uh, obviously, that listens to your show, most people more interested in the men's program, but I do think it's important to, to point out that how, how far women's basketball in Indiana has come. But from a men's program perspective, I think today uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing from Xavier Johnson. It's going to be the first time he's spoken since last season. You know, obviously he had some off-season uh, issues off the court that's behind him now. Just really curious to kind of see where he's at from a mindset perspective. Uh, big expectations for him. And then, obviously, Trace Jackson Davis and Ray Thompson will speak as well. Uh, the whole team, I, I expect, to be available. Mike Woodson, too, with practice uh, set to begin next week. So should be a fun day, a uh, great opportunity for media to get a lot of preseason stuff that we'll use for our previews as we lead up to the season. But, yeah, I mean, this is really the first day, Matt, where it's felt like basketball season uh, is, is right around the corner. Alex Bozich, Inside the Hall, my guest. You can read Alex's work at InsideTheHall.com and, of course, at InsideTheHall on Twitter. Alex, this IU Men's and Women's Co-Media Day, I I like the feel of it. Um, Do you think this has something to do that the women have made so many strides, or is this to get both programs hopefully the same amount of exposure? where, Where did this come from? Yeah, I'm not sure on that. I mean, I, I can't speak to, from the athletic department's viewpoint of why they did this. Um, my educated guess would be, um, you know, you're never going to get a situation where any sport uh, at Indiana, you can talk about football, you can talk about swimming and diving, you can talk about all the other great, you know, programs, soccer that they have. Uh, none of those programs are ever going to be on even footing with the men's basketball program just in terms of the amount of media that covers the team and the exposure they get. But I think um, with the women's team, the success that they've had, uh, you look at their attendance numbers, they've been spiking, uh, moving up you know, over the years. And, and I think it's a great opportunity for the athletic department to do something uh, for them and to get them in front of more of us uh, that cover – uh, the men's program and just give them a chance to have their stories heard and their stories told as well. I mean, one thing we're doing this year, a little bit different on the site, uh, we've, we've hired Amanda Foster, who's going to cover the men's team primarily, but her experience last season with the IDS, she covered the women's team, and she's going to be contributing some women's basketball content to the site. And I think um, any time that you can, you can highlight uh, both programs and, and bring them both, uh, into the spotlight. I don't think it's meant to take anything away from the men's program, but I think the women's program has earned this recognition. 
quite frankly, over the last eight to ten years, they've been the more successful program on the court. Uh, they're perennially contending for NCAA tournament appearances. Uh, they've contended in the Big Ten. And so, um, like I said, I can't really speak to what the, the thinking was from the athletic department in doing it this way, but I think it's a good thing, and I think it's something uh, that, that's going to be good for the exposure for the women's program to kind of have their stories told and have those voices heard as well. Alex, today you'll get a chance to ask questions to Mike Woodson, but also, and I've been with you in past years, uh, most of the players, I think really the entire roster at some point will be available uh, for questions from the media. So uh, we're going to see a lot of quotes and notes and content roll out from people like you and inside the hall uh, beginning later today. Yeah, like I said, man, it's really a great opportunity to – to get, uh, you know, every year, I'm sure you know, Matt, we follow what we do. You know, we do a player-by-player preview of the whole roster, and this is a great opportunity for us to, to talk to each player and get some notes and then some stuff that we can file away for later when we do those player-by-player previews. Um, but, you know, the one thing that I kind of wish we had differently with this is maybe having it a little bit later after practice has already started. You know, practice They've been doing workouts, and they've obviously been doing a lot over the summer, and there's some familiarity with the concepts in that. But, you know, the real work really for these guys begins on Monday when practice officially starts. It'd be nice to be able to talk to some of the newcomers after a couple weeks of practice, but um, the access here has improved uh, dramatically uh, from what we used to have for a media day. So, you know, kudos to IU for for setting this up today and in giving kind of the roundtable type of discussion. I think a lot of times uh, when, when you talk to players and they're up on a podium and they're in front of everybody, you maybe don't get the same candor or the same kind of honest responses that you get when you can go in a small group setting and talk to guys. That's one thing I really appreciated over the off season. This summer we had a lot of Zoom calls with players, and I think we just got a chance to connect with them a little bit more and get to know them as people and as, as uh, that you don't necessarily get when they're up at a podium. So, yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a good day. Um, you know, it's funny. You look back at the years past, a lot of the things that are talked about at media day, once the season actually starts, people forget about that stuff. And I'm sure there's going to be talk about Jordan Geronimo. Is he going to play the three? And he's going to talk about, you know, his improved perimeter shooting and his ball handling. But we'll see things like that. Do they actually come to fruition? I expect the same thing with – three-point shooting. I think there's going to be a lot of talk about how Indiana's made strides with their shooting from the three-point line and how they're a better free-throw shooting team. Will those things actually come to fruition? I mean, media day is always a day, uh, whether you look at the NFL or you look at college football, where everybody loves their team. Everyone loves the progress they've made in the offseason. You know, everyone loves their teammates. Um, but ultimately, um it's going to come down to whether this team is able to take the leap forward that a lot of people are expecting. And, uh, you know, you're going to hear a lot of positivity coming out of Bloomington today. Uh, but I think we'll know a lot more about Indiana basketball after the first couple of months of the season when they play a really tough non-conference schedule and have, you know, a Big Ten game at Rutgers uh, than we will today. I mentioned yesterday the player that I'm most interested to hear from today 
is Jalen Hood Shafino, and I think a lot of listeners and a lot of fans would probably uh, share in that excitement. He just uh, comes in with a great pedigree, and we hear good things. I've heard things that I've mentioned on the show and other things that I, I haven't felt comfortable mentioning on the show that you get from people in Bloomington. Just really good reports on him and what he should be able to do and may be asked to do in his freshman season. Who Who's the player you're most interested to profile, to interview, to ask some questions to? Is there one? Is there two? Uh, I mean, we've talked to most of them this summer. Um, that's the, the one we didn't talk to who I mentioned earlier was Xavier Johnson. And uh, I, I don't think what, you know, what UM Hoops and I are currently counting down the top 10, top 25 Big Ten players. We have Xavier Johnson at nine today in the Big Ten. And I don't think that's going to do anything to kind of quell the expectations. But there's a lot on his shoulders this season. I felt like down the stretch last year, he really was the difference between Indiana making the tournament, the way he played in the Big Ten tournament, the way he played in that game against Wyoming. Uh, If he hadn't played the way he did, Indiana doesn't make the tournament, and we're not talking about any of the expectations that this team currently has. So I'm just really interested to hear from him in terms of just kind of what the offseason was like for him. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily think he's going to want to talk too much about the, the off-court stuff, but still from a mentality standpoint, what did he learn from last season? What are the biggest things that he needs to change going into this year so that we see the Xavier Johnson that we saw down the stretch more often than the one we saw in that game against Wisconsin early in the Big Ten season where he basically disappeared in the second half. Indiana's lead disappeared, and Mike Woodson threw him out in front of the media after that game and basically said, here, answer the questions because uh, you really didn't get the job done in the second half. And I thought uh, for a lot of last season, particularly I think it was the last 17 games, David Johnson was really good. But if Indiana is going to be a team that's consistently ranked in the top 25, a team with a chance to make a deep tournament run, they're going to need Xavier Johnson to play like he's, you know, a fifth-year college player and a guy that's capable of leading a team. And I think that starts with on the court and off the court. You know, Trace Jackson Davis, when he made his decision to come back to school, he talked about how there wasn't going to be any off-the-court shenanigans uh, this year. And I think he was kind of referencing the suspensions last season uh, that they had that cost them that Northwestern game and also – uh, some of the stuff that you know happened, obviously, with Xavier Johnson that they simply cannot afford to have repeated. So I'm just kind of interested to hear what, what he has to say in terms of his mindset, his mentality, where he feels like he's grown this the most this offseason, and kind of what expectations he has of himself. I mean, I think you know the best teams in college basketball have point guard play and have consistency at that position, and uh, Indiana hasn't always had that uh you know, in previous seasons, and I think it's very important that they continue uh, to, to have a positive, uh, you know, Xavier Johnson experience this year if they're going to reach their goals as a team. Talking with Alex Bozich of InsideTheHall.com. Alex, I want to get into a couple of recruiting things with you. And before we talk about IU stuff, I think it's worth noting uh, Chris Holtman at Ohio State uh, has really been on a streak here lately of landing some players for the Buckeyes. Uh, yesterday, or earlier this week, I should say, he uh, was able to get his uh, third top 50 commitment from the 2023 class. I always keep an eye on recruiting. I enjoy it. I like it. I like following high school basketball, uh, and I'm always curious how other Big Ten programs are recruiting. I've got to put Ohio State at the top in the 2023 class or near the top of Big Ten teams getting it done. Holtman has done well in Columbus. 
Yeah, I don't think recruiting has really ever been a problem for him. He's he's done well there uh, from a recruiting perspective uh, for his whole tenure. I think you know he's brought in a lot, a lot of really high level players, and I think that's something uh, he's going to be able to continue to do. I think the question mark with him is is he going to be able to figure out how to stop his teams from really faltering down the stretch. You look at Ohio State; they, they've always been in the mix in the Big Ten under Chris Holtman, and really a team that's you know going to make the tournament, but they haven't finished season strong. Uh, the last two years, they bowed out early in the tournament. I think he really needs, uh, along with the recruiting momentum, uh, to show a little bit more consistency uh, with how his teams perform down the stretch in seasons. And I think that's really the thing that's, that's kind of set, held him back uh, from reaching his full potential. Um, and one thing that I think we have to look forward to uh, this season with the Buckeyes is just getting a gauge on on how uh, they're able uh, to mix their young players. You mentioned the recruiting uh, going forward. Obviously, there's a lot of excitement about that. But this year, too, they have a lot of really good uh, young players uh, who uh, are going to be a part of the the mix. And I think Ohio State has a chance this this season to be a team that surprises. So I think that overall, uh, he's done a great job recruiting there. As you mentioned, Matt, I think that right now, uh, at the top of the league for 2023, but I, I, you know it's going to be real interesting to me just to see how good Ohio State is as a team. I, I get the feeling that some of their fan base isn't completely sold on Holtman, and I think part of that is just how they've faltered down the stretch uh, these past couple seasons, and I think he's got a lot to prove this year, but definitely getting it done off the court uh, in terms of recruiting. Alex Bozich inside the hall with me. Uh, on IU recruiting, yesterday the staff had Mike Woodson and the three assistant coaches in Kokomo to watch Flory Badunga from the Congo that's been at Kokomo. Now this will be year two, his junior year coming up. Uh, he is a talented player, another in-state guy, if you want to claim him from the Hoosier State, uh, that's getting a lot of interest. And I think we talked about this. I'm not sure if it was you or somebody else, but uh, the fall time is really an opportunity to set priorities and for coaches to maybe show priorities in targets. And Indiana has sure done that a few times here this fall in the uh, open period, the recruiting period, uh, by sending the entire coaching staff to Kokomo uh, and to Fishers to watch Harrelson and Badunga. And I'm sure that there are others as well. But uh, that really, I think, lets him know that Indiana – uh, focusing in, and the interest is there. The scholarship offer is there. Um, your take on sending the entire staff, spending a day uh, all at the same gym, watching a simple practice or open gym, that has to signal we really want you. I think you've got to do it if you really want a kid. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a – it's obviously – it's not a far distance to go. To me, it's a bigger deal if you send four to California or you send some four to Texas. But uh, guys that are in your backyard that are within driving distance that you can get out and see, I mean, I think you got to hit the trail as relentlessly as you can and let these kids know that you are that you really want them. Uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen uh, with, the, with the kid, uh, Badunga. You know, there, it seems like... It, there's not a lot of clear information coming out there. We've reached out a couple of times trying to do uh, stories. It doesn't seem like he's really talking to the media or wanting to, to talk, which I understand uh, him wanting to just kind of focus on his season and what it has ahead of him. But I think from Indiana's perspective, uh, the in-state kids, uh, they've got to make them feel like they really want them and show them that they're priority. You can't just show up. Um, you know, I think there was some, some criticism maybe a little bit with the Xavier Booker situation that Indiana and maybe to 
same extent Purdue waited a little bit too long uh, to make them feel the love, and Michigan State had done all that early work, and they ultimately get a commitment. But I think with you know in all these situations, you really have to to show uh, kids not just by offering them or getting them on the phone. You have to show up and get in front of them. You have to meet with them face to face. You have to develop these relationships. And I think getting out to open gyms is a big deal in the fall. And I'll give Indiana credit; they've been very active this fall, having coaches all uh, you know all over uh, seeing kids and. Uh, with the way 2023 turned out recruiting-wise so far, it doesn't really look too promising to add anybody uh, beyond the two commitments that they've already had, at least in the fall. 2024 is going to be a big deal, and Indiana really has to put its best foot forward and try to make some moves there and, and, and get in good with some guys. And I think, uh, you know, it's obviously to me it's easier to recruit guys that are in your immediate area uh, when you have a kid that's ranked in the top ten that's, uh, you know, just a short car drive away, I think you got to make every effort to get there as much as possible to be the kid. Alex Bozich inside the hall. Seems like, depending on how things wrap up in the 2023 class, IU could be hitting the transfer portal hard. I mean, lots of departures yeah. expected from this year's team, from Trace Jackson Davis to Xavier Johnson and uh, Race Thompson, and of course, potentially others uh, uh, that you could add to that list. So uh, I guess that's the way of recruiting and the way of college basketball that the transfer portal is actually a pretty good fallback if needed. Yeah, we've talked about it before, Matt. That's why, you know, you, you asked, I think, a couple of weeks ago maybe if it was time to panic if Indiana doesn't add anybody else in this class. And, you know, I, I don't think it's time to panic uh, because you have that portal. You look at look at Illinois what they did in the portal this year. They've added two players who we had ranked in the top 11, I think, preseason Big Ten players, Matthew Mayer of Baylor, Terrence Shannon of Illinois. There's going to be names out there that you can add from the portal who are going to be instant impact type of guys. So while it's nice to have these potential impact freshmen and guys that you can build long-term with your program, you're going to have to some years supplement with the portal. And I think Indiana is going to really have to do it uh, with, with some serious intensity next spring based on kind of the guys that are going to leave and who uh, they're going to need to replace. The portal is going to be of utmost importance next spring for the Hoosiers. Alex Bozich inside the hall. He's with us Thursdays. Alex, enjoy media day. We look forward to all your content at InsideTheHall.com, and we'll talk with you again next week. Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for having me, and we'll talk again soon. For sure. We'll head to a commercial break, switch gears, and talk IU football. They've got Cincinnati on the road coming up on Saturday. The Hoosiers, the underdog, Matt Weaver with us from the Pigs.com website to preview that game. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. 
And we're back here on this Thursday program. Matt Weaver, Pigs.com, with us to talk IU football. Matt, it's IU with, I think, their biggest challenge of the season, no question about that, Saturday at Cincinnati. Help uh, help prepare us for the game. Set this thing up for us. Your thoughts on Cincinnati thus far as they enter this weekend? Well, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously they um, had a great season last year, but, you know, have to replace a lot of good guys. Um, you know, probably most noteworthy Desmond Ritter, the quarterback, in the NFL with the Falcons. And then they had Sauce Gardner, who was drafted, I think, like sixth overall by the Jets. And a number of other players picked. Um, you know, still a talented team, though. Maybe not as talented as they were last year, but definitely very uh, formidable. You know, they uh, went into Arkansas in their first game and gave them a, a really good test. So, you know, Indiana's going to have to um, – and the one thing I noticed about IU defensively this year, it's kind of surprising. I was looking at stats, and not that they tell everything, but they're um, they're struggling when it comes to uh, not giving up big plays. So they're 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 giving up some explosive plays more so than you would expect, especially with the secondary as experienced as they are. So for me, a big key is you can't give up any of those kind of big plays. You got to make them, you know, go down the field, drive the field, then try to hold them to field goals. And you know, I think this is going to be about weather in the the first quarter, first quarter and a half for Indiana. The crowd's going to be crazy. Get through that first quarter, quarter and a half. You know, keep yourself in the game, and then you know, then it's just kind of playing football and see what happens. You know, I think Indiana can compete, but like you said, this is definitely going to be their uh, their toughest game so far this season. And as far as bowl eligibility, I know that we always think that way with just how our minds are trained when you think of of college football teams. Um, with what's ahead in the Big Ten Conference, especially those East Division foes. Uh, this is a game Indiana needs to find a way to pick off if they want to continue hopes of bowl eligibility. Yeah, and I would what I would say is the next two games, this one and then Nebraska, if you could split these two, I mean, obviously it would be great if you could get both, no doubt about it. But if you could split them, I think if you're 4-1 and one going into your last seven games, I think you got a real shot at being bowl eligible. you still got Maryland, you still got Rutgers. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Purdue's a game where you feel like you can probably compete. You know, we'll see on Michigan State. They may not be as good as everybody thought. I mean, I know one game doesn't mean a lot, but, you know, they got they got uh, whipped up on pretty good out at Washington. And, you know, Kalen uh, DeBoer and those guys with Michael Penix are doing a great job. But there's still some games left. I mean, obviously Ohio State, uh, um, Michigan, Penn State are going to be. That's the gauntlet that's really tough. But, you know, I think if you can at worst split these next two weeks, I think you got to feel pretty good about your chances of going bowling. Matt Weaver, Peaks.com, our guest. Matt, uh, interesting, somewhat local story around IU football uh, that someone sent me, and then reading your preview of the Cincinnati game, I saw mention of this on the Peaks.com website. But Caleb Murphy, who is a graduate of West Washington High School, which is not far from our Clark and Floyd County hub, uh, started as third-string center this season, is now the starting center for IU, and in fact last week was the offensive player of the game, or I should say the Idaho game. He was the offensive player of the game uh, for the Hoosiers. Kind of an interesting story there and how he connected with Tom Allen and the IU football program to get the opportunity to be a bench player and now a starter. Yeah, and I obviously covered Caleb's recruitment, and I remember him. I mean, this is a guy from where his school is, and you guys, you know, know because it's not that far from you. They don't, they don't produce, you know, this level of, um, of athlete, you know, as far as scholarship players. So this is a big deal, and you know, it's interesting. He hadn't really played in a game in uh, three or four years. His senior year, I think his first or second game, he broke his collarbone, and he was out for the season. And they, they initially recruited him as kind of like a, like a big 
defensive end. They call him a jumbo athlete. So basically a guy who can maybe play DN, maybe play tight end, and then maybe get big enough to be an O-lineman. And he's played D-line and tight end. In fact, the COVID season, they, they he was he was moved to tight end because I think they had some issues with numbers. And so, you know, they moved him over there just to kind of give him some depth at tight end and grown into a center and obviously did a really nice job in his first start this past week against Western Kentucky. And it's a, it's really kind of a cool story. I mean, this was his dream. You know, for him, grew up an IU fan, and he wanted to play for the Hoosiers. And, you know, it came true for him. And obviously it's, um, you know, he's got the ability. He's got the talent. Um, he just he comes from a place where, you know, it's not usually where you go looking for football players. But, you know, congrats to him. And, and, um, and I'm sure it's a big deal for uh, his community that he's getting this opportunity. Matt, I haven't looked at the line this morning before the show, but uh, it was a, a sizable margin that Cincinnati was favored in this game when things came out earlier in the week. Do you agree with that uh, that line? Do you know what the current line is today for the the game the, on Saturday? I, I have not looked. I think I think yesterday I looked. I want to say it was sixteen and a half. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's if it's moved at all one direction or the other since yesterday. Which, tell, which, you know, you typically you get three points. The home team gets three points automatically. So they're saying Cincinnati is about a two-touchdown favorite. I mean, that's a lot of points. I mean, last year's game, I think it ended up at 11, but I think everybody who watched it knows that game was a lot closer than that. Quite honestly, that score could have been flipped if Indiana, you know, just takes care of the ball and doesn't turn it over when they had chances to score touchdowns. So uh, two different teams, two different seasons. Um, I think it's a bit high, but, you know, Indiana's got to go out and prove it. Last year, you know, uh, they during, during the latter part of the season, they were lucky to keep games within 14, 17 points. So, you know, they're going to have to go out and prove it. Uh, right now, people are not still not believing, and I get it. You go 2-10, and 10 and you know, it's only three games into the season. Three games, at least two games you're definitely supposed to win in another game that was a toss-up. So, you know, this is where you go out and prove people wrong and, and, and you know, make a statement and put yourself back on the national map. You know, this is an interesting rematch from last year because Indiana had the lead over Cincinnati, uh, would go on to lose the game, and it was a Cincinnati team that would put it all together and end up uh, becoming a, a star really in college football, making the college football playoff last season. So uh, that's kind of maybe a sore point, I think, for uh, IU fans and I'm sure players and coaches last year that they competed so well for so much of the game and then ultimately couldn't get it done against a team that went on to have a great season. Yeah, it's funny. We just had a Zoom call with Coach Allen, and he was kind of asked a similar question, like, how do you keep your players from not making it about last year? Because it was such a turning point game. I mean, Indiana, you know, if they win that game, I'm not saying that changes their season, but you never know. It it just really took a lot of uh, took a lot of wind out of their sails, you know, because it looked like they had that game in hand, and they just kind of they kind of let it get away. So, and he just basically said, obviously, last year's last year. It's, two, it's a different team. Um, you just got to play them. You know, obviously, a lot of the coach cliches you hear, but it, it, they're, they're, a lot of them are true. You know, you can only worry about this week. It's the most important game because it's the next game, and so you can't make it about revenge. I mean, I'm sure there's motivation. There should be. And when you get to that field and those fans are going crazy and screaming at you, that should be some more motivation for you too. So um, the fact that you're a Big Ten team going to Cincinnati and you're a 17, basically a 17-point underdog, you know, that that's even more uh, fuel for the fire. So. You know, I, I don't think you make it about last year, but I think you definitely kind of have that chip on your shoulder going into this game about what happened um, in that game uh, in 2021. All right, Matt, as we close out, Nebraska is next after this weekend for Indiana. Any rumblings about who the next Nebraska coach could be? How will that play out with the season uh, really right You know, in the heart of things? 
Yeah, if you hear if you if you listen to the national guys or believe what they're saying, I, I know it's. Uh, I'm not sure. Lance Leipold um, uh, from Kansas has been mentioned, uh, but although he's come out and said that he you know play, he he came to Kansas to stay. Uh, Matt Campbell of Iowa State, another name that's been mentioned. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any others. I know people are throwing out Urban Meyer, but I, I don't know why you would do that um, if you're in Nebraska. <laughs> uh, I mean. That's just I don't understand why you would want to do that. Um, I, you know, if you got the guy from Kansas or you got Matt Campbell, um, you know, I think if you're I think if you're Nebraska, you got to at least give Luke Fickle a call. I don't know if he'll take it, but I think you got to at least call him. Um, but you know that that job, even though they've been down, that's a good job. They got great facilities, great tradition, great fan support, and in this new NIL era, that's the team in Nebraska. That's their pro team, and you're going to have people who will donate and generate uh, money for NIL deals. And that's going to be a big deal going forward with coaches and, and trying to put together a roster. Absolutely. Good point. Matt Weaver, Pigs.com. Matt, thanks for the chat. We'll do it again next week. Okay. Take care, guys. That's going to wrap things up for this Thursday program. Back with you Friday at 11. We've got Kokomo coach John Peckinpah on Flory Bedunga, Kyle Deddenrip, and Dylan Wallace. And a lot more. We'll recap IU Media Day later this afternoon, tomorrow as well. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.